May they raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Oh, Father, may the promises of Christ be trusted so fully that peace and joy and strength fill each mother's soul to overflowing. May the fullness of God spill out in daily acts of love so that children, husbands, neighbors, everyone might see their good deeds and give glory to you. Help us to articulate and demonstrate our love and appreciation for our mothers, Father, every day, not just the second Sunday of May. We ask this in your son's precious name. Amen. 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 Thanks, Mama. All right, you can have a seat. So we want to uh, honor mothers today. Uh, we want to honor mothers that are biological moms as well as spiritual moms. We are so grateful for the gift uh, that God has designed and has given to this church um, for the gift of, of motherhood. Uh, so one of the ways that you can do that is at the end of the service, you can come up and grab uh, one of these flowers to give uh, to your mom. Again, that could be, or to your moms, right? So some of you that have uh, spiritual moms as well as biological moms, you can give, uh, you can give a flower to them to honor them. Uh, and uh, also we have out there, uh, as you give them uh, their flower, you can take them and get a picture taken with them. Uh, so there's a little photo booth set up out there. We have people that will uh, take your cell phone and, and uh, take the picture and then give you your cell phone back. They're that kind of people. <laughs> All right. So um, I would also uh, like to uh, honor moms. Lindsay Thompson has put together a fantastic video uh, as a way of uh, sampling some of the, uh, the gift of motherhood around us. Happy Mother's Day. Moms, we hope that you know what a treasure you are to your families, to our church body, and to God. And this year, we wanted to do something fun and personal as a way to honor you. And so we enlisted some help. We asked some of your children for insider information about what it is that they love most about you, or their favorite way to spend quality time with you or maybe even a way in which they wish they could repay you for all that you've done for them and for your family. And so I hope that you enjoy this video and that you feel especially loved on this Mother's Day. If I could get my mom anything, can't narrow it down to one, but I'd probably get her a pasta sink, a Range Rover, or the quotable Lewis. One of the many things that I love about my mom is her love for and delight in the beauty of God that is all around us. The thing I love most about my mom would be the, her belief in Christianity and the fact that it's not only backed up by scripture, but also by logic and reason. I think that's very beautiful and that's been a big guiding force in my life. Also her shrimp scampi, that's also, that's also really good and I love that. One of the things I love most about my mom is that she always has a smile on her face. Yeah, I love you and I love to go on my trampoline with you. What's great about my mom is that she's very funny and she likes to make little jokes and it always makes me laugh and she helps me understand who I am and just supports me in everything that I do. I love you, mom. Bye. 
about my mom is that she believes what God says. She believes his word. She believes his promises. Um, I've watched her walk through difficult things and stand firm in her faith and know that God will do what he says he's going to do. And um, I just so much have leaned on that in my life and have used her faith when mine is weak. And it's such an invaluable gift that she's given to me. So thank you, mom. Happy Mother's Day is joke around because she's really fun and we have a great time together. My favorite thing to do with my mom is probably discuss uh, the books and movies and other various nerdy things that we both like together. What I love most about my mom is the love that not only she shows us, but she shows to other people as well. So if I could give my mom anything in the whole world for Mother's Day, it would be a weekend getaway trip with me in Chicago here. She's always talking about how much she misses me, and I think this would be a great time to just have some quality time with my mom. Love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> so uh, I am very thankful for the gift of uh, different leaders that we have in our church. We have a lot of women that are serving and leading in various capacities within our church. Uh, and they do uh, outstanding work. But one of the challenging things uh, is for those of you uh, women that want to be discipled or want to grow as a leader, sometimes it's not clear on who can you talk to about that? Uh, where can you go to get connected into a discipling relationship or uh, to be developed as a leader? And so uh, with that uh, reality for us, uh, Lindsay Thompson uh, ha is volunteering her time uh, to come onto the pastor's team to help create clear pathways uh, for women to get connected into discipling relationships as well as to be developed as a leader. Uh, so would you welcome Lindsay as she comes on up? So uh, you can see the, the stuff out there uh, that we're doing for moms, uh, the video, that was all uh, Lindsay's work. So we really appreciate that. So Lindsay has a couple things to share with you. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. I want to bring your attention to an insert that is in everybody's bulletin. Um, women, on July 6th, we were having a women's breakfast. Um, one of the things that, you know, Greg had mentioned about we have so many fantastic women leaders doing wonderful things, moving in their gifts and talents to serve God. And this morning as we were praying as a team, um, I had this picture in my head of walking through a meadow, right? So when you walk through a meadow, there are like patches of beautiful wildflowers. 
and they're beautiful in and of themselves. Um, but then, you know, we have God the Father who is skilled at artistry. And when he comes in and he can take those flowers and arrange them into a beautiful arrangement, right, the, the fragrance and the beauty is overwhelming. And that's kind of my vision for, for Living Faith Alliance. And I think what God is wanting to do in the hearts and lives of women here. Um, you all are beautiful, and you're doing such wonderful things in your service to God, and I think he just wants to give us an opportunity to gather them so that it can be like just an even more beautiful offering to him. So I need your help with that. At the bottom, women, of this flyer, there's a connect card. If you are somebody who is longing or maybe God is impressing on you to use and bring your gifts and talents to serve others, um, I really could use your help. So the events that we have, they're all geared towards this idea and vision of connecting and gathering. So fill it out. We're going to do offering in a little bit, so I think you're going to have to write fast. But go ahead and fill them out and put them in the plate, and, um, and then they'll come to me. So thank you so much. Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, could I, I want to do two things right now, same time. Uh, this gives you a little time to, to write in there. Uh, so we are going to dismiss treasure seekers. So that is first through fifth grade. Students, you can follow Mr. Angelo out. Parents, if you haven't signed your child up for Treasure Seekers, please do that. Just follow them out. Also, you can pick your child up at the cafe afterwards. All right. And then also, could I have the ushers come on up? So I have two other points of information I need to share with you. Uh, the first is uh, about leadership community that is coming up. Uh, I believe it's on the... Uh, let me get the date right. Um, on the 18th from 8 to 10 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so this is for any of our leaders. Uh, if you're serving in any capacity, we want you there. We're going to have breakfast together. We want to share with you uh, a couple of the key things that God is doing around here. And then we're going to spend some time praying. All right. So we'll be together just for a couple of hours. Uh, but please make the time to be there. Uh, the other thing you need to know about is there is a special needs class uh, that is starting. So there are some people... Uh, some uh, moms, dads who can't be with us on a weekend because of the needs that they face uh, at home with their child. Uh, and the classrooms as set up aren't able, to, uh, aren't able to facilitate what their child needs. So we've created this special needs class that'll be happening periodically as a way of serving those families. However, that's not just a, uh, a simple thing to drop a, a child with special needs off. So we need uh, some orientation, some time to be able to talk that through, what it's going to look like. So if you have a child with special needs or you have a friend that has a child with special needs, please invite them out uh, for this gathering on May 19th uh, at 11 a.m. to find out how this is going to work uh, in our community together. All right, let's pray. So, Father, today... Uh, as we are celebrating uh, moms and motherhood, uh, God, I want to thank you for that idea. I thank you for creating it. I thank you that uh, motherhood was part of your design. And so, God, we want to not just simply honor the gift, but we want to recognize the giver, uh, and we want to honor you, and we want to praise you as one who was so creative, so wise uh, in the way that you have ordered creation. And so we thank you for the gift of motherhood. And so, God, I pray that we would honor you with the way that we think, uh, with the way that we give, with the way that we uh, even, even listen uh, to your voice this morning. You are worthy, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. So go ahead, you guys can take the offering. 
And uh, in a moment, uh, Laura Elwell is going to come up and she's going to read God's word uh, for us. And then Pastor Chris will be giving us a teaching this morning. you all stand with me? Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for the people that you have brought here today for this body that belongs to you. We all come here with different thoughts on our mind, different pains, different wonders and worries, but we know that you are the God of all of them. And we pray that you would speak to those things today, that in each heart, your spirit would be present and working, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted and lift us up and encourage us where we need encouragement, and that you would knit us closer together to be able to welcome outsiders with confidence and love and to pray without ceasing. In your name, amen. All right, you guys, you can be seated. Good morning, church. All right, so two quick things before we get into this today. One, happy Mother's Day. Hope you're having a good morning so far. Sorry about the weather, but uh, glad you're able to, to be with us today. Uh, second thing, I want to have uh, Frank stand up. So Frank Medio, young Frank Medio, just finished boot camp. <laughs> yeah. All right, man, welcome home. Uh, you you good. <laughs> so, just saw him this morning. I thought uh, anytime that a uh, young man steps into uh, the vocation of the military, we definitely want to welcome them home anytime we see them. So, uh, so very cool. So, we're going to talk about some cool stuff today. So, I want to start off with a uh, uh, somewhat like jokingly serious question. Uh, I hope you get it. Uh, think about some of those awkward moments in your life where maybe you've walked into this room of people. And suddenly you realize you're not really sure who's in the room. And this question bubbles up in your head, and you're like, who are these people? Have you ever had that moment? Like, you're kind of like, like ah, and then, and then you're there for a little while, and maybe you're kind of like, uh, I don't know who any of these people are, and I've um, been here too long, I don't want to ask. <laughs> right? <laughs> you have some of those, those like weird moments in life where you, you, you go into a place, and you're like, you're not sure, like, who are these people? I think the place that you might have that feeling the most, or at least most frequently, might actually be at church. Think about what you would do if you walked into another church this morning. You'd be like, who are these people? What are they doing here? How did they get here? What are they like? Will they notice that I'm here? Will they see what's going on? Will I like what they're doing? It's an important question to ask, and I think wherever we go, we kind of do this like, like sort of like, human radar thing, like who are these people around us, and what, this is, what is this going to be like? So I wanted to take a minute uh, and go back to the church that Paul wrote this letter of Colossians to, 
And I wanted to ask that question of that church. Who are these people? Who are these people that Paul is writing to? Because we're coming towards the end, so I want to make sure we don't miss who they are. So they're people from that, like, that area where that little red dot is sticking in the ground. See that? So the Church of Colossae, they're in, that, they're in that zone. They're over there in that part of the world way back in the first century. And it's a place where all of this Greek philosophy is happening. They've got people that are talking about things that are sort of godlike, but not really about the true God. Uh, they're the people that believed in that thing called the evil eye. If you remember when we talked about that, the, the belief that you could look at somebody in a certain way and put curse on their life. Like, we still have people that sell shoes with that eye on it today. Uh, it's some wild stuff. The Greek festivals next week, maybe you want to check it out, see what these Greek people are like that were, you know, maybe going on. So they have some Greek people. They have some Jewish people in there. I apologize if the uh, cartoon offends you in regards to the circumcision and the uncircumcision groups. So they had all of that going on uh, in their time. They had the people that were considered barbarians, which are the people that didn't speak fluent Greek, so they were considered a little bit less you have those barba- the Scythian people who uh, were riding around on horses and learned how to shoot arrows backwards while they were riding forward. And they kind of look like, uh, back then, like what a modern-day biker gang might look like today. Uh, they have people that are dealing with slavery and bond servants and free people. And then Paul writes to that group of people, and he says, listen, you need to pay attention to the old self, and you need to put on the new self. So the old self is marked by all those things in the red. So sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying. So that's what those people were like. And then Paul says, so put on the new self. So get about being about compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bear with each other, forgive each other, love each other. So Paul's telling him to take care of those heart issues. And then he says, and then there's this husband and wife challenge that you guys have in your church. Thank you. And then you've got these kids that somehow need to be taught how to obey, and they're, they're walking through all of those parenting challenges in the midst of that. And did I mention that they're also told that they're supposed to sing together? <laughs> so there's a whole group of people like, oh, let's sing a song together. That's That's wild. And then somewhere in the middle of all of that is Jesus, who's the one they're looking to, to help them out. So when you look at the church of Colossae, you have to ask that question. You say, who are these people? They're a mess. They've got all kinds of stuff going on. Does it sound like anybody you know? (laughs) Does it sound like any room that you've ever walked into at a church? It's huge. It's huge. So don't miss that. So, and then Paul drops another thing on this group of people. So not only are they supposed to deal with all of those things, to learn how to get along with all of these cultural differences, all of this philosophy and wisdom and all the other challenges that are going on, but Paul decides to drop a new category on the church at the end of this letter. So he says, while you're dealing with all that stuff on the inside, don't forget that there are still people on the outside. And he says, so you guys that are dealing with all of that mess, all of that stuff, at the same time you're dealing with that, you need to be wise in the way you deal with outsiders. Now, outsiders can be an offensive word in our day. So that word there, outsiders, means it was those who are not part of that faith community. So it's not to be a judgmental term. Sometimes they call them pre-Christians now or whatever they want to put a you know, positive spin on it. But back then they called them outsiders. So Paul says, he says, well, be aware of that, but also look at that verse very carefully. He says, if you see an outsider, engage them. Talk to them. 
Spend some time with them. And he gives them some categories on how to do that. So here's three ways, uh, three things that you need to engage other people or to engage others on the outside. So the first one is wisdom. What wisdom is he talking about? Like he's not saying you have to go to school first and get your degree before you can go have a conversation. He's talking about what Jesus has already done in you. Whatever transformation you've experienced in Christ, you now have that wisdom that can be shared with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Pretty simple, right? The second thing he says you need to have is you need to have time. You need to spend some time with people, look for opportunities, look for short seasons where you can sit down with people and you can share a little bit of time and hear their story and share your wisdom with them. And that should come with a conversation, but that's not just a preaching conversation, that's not a condemning conversation, or I'm just gonna challenge everything that you think and believe, but it's a conversation that should create a bit of savoring, some things that you're, sh- that you're saying and sharing with them that they would go, ooh, I like that. I want some more of that. So think about that, that favorite food that you long to eat. Right? Remember the first time you ate it and you were like, oh, that's so good. Give me some more of that. You were savoring what was coming at you. Paul says that that's what we should do in our conversations. The conversation we have pe- with people who are not of the faith should create a desire in them to want some more. So this should be done in a, in a gracious and winsome way. It should be done in a way that's filled with grace and kindness and some life-on-life skin in the game. So if I could sum up what Paul is saying, Paul tells them that to address outsiders or non-believers, that the church should share what they've learned about Jesus whenever they have an opportunity to do it, and then do it in a way that causes people to savor what is being shared. And when, the, when that happens, it should be done in a gracious kind and a willing to share your life with them kind of conversation. So if you've been around our church for a while, we call those things gospel conversations. That's what a gospel conversation should be like. So I want to I wanna ask a, an important question with this. So this is what it takes to engage outsiders that Paul's talking about. And so what we've done throughout this series is we learn something about the Colossian church, and then we bring it here. So can we ask this tough question? How does living faith do at interacting with outsiders? How? How do we do? It's a mixed review. It's being honest. I see it on some of your faces. We have um, a lot of great stories of people that have come here. They've found a home here. They've engaged, they've, they've caught up with people maybe that they knew, they've had wonderful experiences. Uh, I know people at different points have shared with me about how good we are at giving people space to come in the door, because uh, there are some churches that are relatively small, and if a new family walks into their church, they all get on the radio and be like, we got fresh meat in the building, let's get them, you know? And so we have to, we, we don't do that. We don't pounce on people when they come in, we give them space. But at the same time, sometimes we give them too much space. What we found out is that it takes about three to six months for somebody to say, hey, I'm new here. That's too long. That's too long. So we have, we have a mixed review. I'll give you some of the other challenges or some of the other obstacles that have been shared uh, about our church is that LFA can also be known as a clicky church. It can be. Actually, I heard somebody share this story with me a while back, but they, they came here, they heard the call, like, if you want to get connected, engage, like, jump in, like, raise your voice, speak up, and they did, and they went to somebody and said, hey, I want to spend some time with you, and that person said, I'm sorry, I hang out with this person, this person, and this person, and you're not one of them, I'm not talking to you. 
It's terrible. It's sad, but that's a true story. I've, I can't tell you how many people that have come to our church and said, I came, and I came for a long time, and no one talked to me. There's some people that say, I, I have a hard time connecting here. Uh, I heard a story one time of somebody that got invited to an event. They went to the event, and the person that invited them ignored them the whole weekend. Like, those are, those are challenging experiences. And I know we might say of some people, we may say, well, they're just, like, they're immature. Maybe they came here with some baggage. You know, they were hurt in previous churches and had really high expectations for what we were going to be like for them and, and all of those things. And there are some. There are some that has been their story. But the reason I raise it, too, is because there are people that are highly competent and deeply connected people that have walked through that same struggle but were able to stick it out. It's a challenge. So I want to um, I want to help us get a little more understanding on this. So I don't want to be um, I don't want to be harsh, but I want to be uh, clear. So what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to jump back into an old youth group mode for a second. So what I need uh, very quickly. So be brave here. I need nine people to come and join me on the stage. So come on, come quick. Come on, Joyce is coming. Bob's coming. Come on. Some of you might have been a part of this illustration way back when you were in youth group, but come on up. Come on up. I need nine people. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I need one more. Come on. One more. One more. Come on, Abraham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Come on up, man. Come on up. All right. Okay. So, John, you're going to stay right there. All you other guys, come all the way over on this side. I want uh, everybody else, yeah, everybody else but John, I want you guys to go over here and make a circle and stand shoulder to shoulder together. All right, stand shoulder to shoulder together. Yeah, we're forming up. We're forming up. Okay, so you guys are shoulder to shoulder. Here's, here's your job. Your job is to get as tight as possible. So squeeze in there. Like, get tight. Get really friendly. While I'm uh, talking here, you guys can introduce yourselves to each other. You can spend some time together. So you guys just get to know each other. Spend some time getting really tight. Okay, everybody clear on that instruction? Now, I'm going to come over here to John. John just showed up here today. Your job is to get inside that circle. Are you ready? Are you ready? What do you think is going to happen? I don't think I'll be able to get inside. Why? Because I would feel very awkward trying to push through all of them. Boom. That's our assumption, right? I didn't tell them, though. Did you hear the instruction carefully? I said, get tight. I didn't say become exclusive. I didn't say keep other people out. We make an assumption, it's an unspoken assumption, that to be tight with people means I have to exclude other people. That's a risk in church family life. That's a big deal. So what are we going to do with this? So I could come and I can, I can force John into that circle. I could try to catapult him in. He could be like, man, forget that. They're too tight for me. I'm out of here. Or I could come to this circle. Yeah, that would be nice. But um, I'm going to have Bev and Bob. I'm going to have you guys come this way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull a couple people out of this circle. Now, you guys, you guys just stay tight. Like, keep doing your thing. All right? So two people. I say, hey, guys, I've got, I've got John over here. He needs to get connected, so uh, I invited these two guys to come over here to spend some time with John. Do you see what happened? I had to break a tight circle in order for John to get connected. You see what happens there? So what are our options here? So they, they could probably take John to that group, but then he's going to be way behind that group. 
They've already had whatever time they've had being tight, spiritual growth, all the things that have happened in that group. But these two have to come over here and they have to start something new with John. So in order for this new thing to form, an old thing had to break. Do you see what happens? An old thing had to change. Do you know what this is called? This is called church growth. This is how it happens. But here's the problem. So you guys can stay here. You guys can start like forming up a new group. You're good. These guys over here, though, they're like, uh, man, things weren't the same when Bev and Bob were over here. <laughs> it's full of good drama today. It's good. They, they, they start feeling like, oh, man, we, we long for the old days. We long when it was just the nine of us. Those were so special it was so amazing. We miss it. Now, oh, and Bob and Bev come back over. They're going to have a great reunion. It's going to be a great party. They're going to have a great time. But they had to give up something familiar so that someone else could know Jesus. Do you see how that works? All right, thank you, guys. You guys can have a seat. Fantastic. Let's thank our volunteers. Awesome. Thank you, guys. See, that's a big challenge for us. Because sometimes things don't feel the same, and we long for those days. We have that sort of nostalgic feeling about what used to happen. Now, I want to I want to make sure that that we're even a little more clear on this. So I brought um, I brought another way to describe this. So I brought some Legos with me. Any Lego fans in the room? All right. So I once heard it described that people are like Legos. Everybody has a certain number of connectors. So you see, my green plate here has a lot of connectors. I call this the Art Barufi Lego piece. Yeah. Dude has so many connections. But some of us some of us are a little different. Some of us have two connectors. Some of us have eight. Some of us have 50. Some of us have 100. But sometimes in order for somebody to know Jesus, you have to be willing to disconnect from what you already know in order to reconnect with other people. It's a change, but in the gospel, it's worth it. And the reason I say that, and I have a lot of confidence in saying that, is I cannot find, and if you find one, let me know, but I cannot find a Christian gathering in the New Testament that existed indefinitely just to itself. Like Jesus and those disciples, they had an awesome thing going. Thousands of people, huge crowds. It's a great time. But what happened to those guys? When the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, they scatter throughout the world. They left that amazing time with Jesus to go talk about Jesus with people they don't know. It's a big deal. They left. The church in Jerusalem, as amazing as it was, they were great things. They were doing incredible stuff in Acts 2, 3, 4, and 5. And then persecution happens, and it broke that church up. But you know what happened because of the persecution? New churches started to form everywhere those people went all the way to the city of Antioch. And the city of Antioch had the most amazing multicultural leadership team you could design. It was incredible. But as they're doing life and they're breaking down walls and they're doing all these amazing things for the gospel in that city, as they began to pray and they began to talk to God, God said, I want you to take two of your amazing leaders and send them out. And he broke that team up. It's a big thing. So sometimes circles that you're very familiar with Sometimes they have to change or disband in some way for a time so that other people can come to know the gospel. 
So you have this church. You have this church of the Colossians, right? Remember, they got all this stuff going on on the inside, all this wild, crazy stuff. I mean, to try to wrap your head around all of that and understand it in depth, it'd make your head spin. How can these people, how can, like, they're so wild. And so Paul says, well, what are, what are you going to do? You got all this stuff going on in your church, and I'm telling you to be aware of outsiders. So how do you deal with it? What do you do? Well, Paul gives him the other answer in verse 2. He says, pray. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, when I wrote this, I was like, oh, seriously, man, I'm going to lose the church right here. Prayer? Are you serious? We're talking about prayer? Yes. I don't know what it's like for you when you hear that word. For a long time for me, I think I struggled more with prayer in my faith than anything else. It became so hard to pray. I read books on this. I talked to people. I listened to speakers. I was trying to get this area of prayer mastered in my life. So this is what I, this is what I experienced. I experienced a man get up on the stage one time, and he said this. He said, real men get up an hour early, and they pray for an hour. Cool, man, I'm in. Let's go. Let's test my manhood. It lasted about three days, and I started looking like this. I, just, I got whiplash from trying to keep my eyes open, you know, and try to stay awake. I walked away from that feeling really discouraged, like man, I must not be a real man, and I can't pray. Man, what a bummer. And I heard another speaker one time said, you know, I, I heard Jesus say to his disciples, well, what, you couldn't even pray for an hour. So she started to pray, and in five minutes, everything that she had to say was out of her mouth. And she's like, what am I going to do for the next 55 minutes? So I got I to gotta pray for an hour. That was the standard. So she started making up all these prayer lists. She said, I'm going to make all these lists. I'm going to write down everybody I know, everything I know, and I'm going to make this huge list until I get enough people that I can talk for an hour straight to fill up that hour. Cool. So I got my list out. I wrote down everybody I could think of, and I started to pray. First two days, pretty good. By day three, I realized, like, I got people on here I haven't seen in decades. I have no idea what's going on in their life. So I got to a place where I was like, this just isn't working. This, isn't, this is lifeless. So I would just put my hand on the list and be like, okay, God, you know every name on the list. Please be with them. And I'd be done. Right? I had a professor give me this little wheel. He said, here's, here's how you can pray for an hour. So you take 12 five-minute blocks of time, and you do these different things during those five minutes. And as I started to look at that and I started to practice that, I, I realized I'm in a place where I'm doing a lot of activity, but I'm not sure I'm really praying. I feel like I'm just doing church by myself. And it didn't go anywhere. And then I've heard other people, I've heard other people teach on prayer, uh, and they use things like what Jesus said about prayer. So I, say, I, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. And for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. See, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Right, and we, we just go, well, that's obvious. Thank you for that, Jesus. Because next time your kid asks you for peanut butter and jelly, you're going to be like, nope, here's a scorpion. We just wouldn't do that. We know better. 
We know better. And so we take what Jesus said and we go, oh, well, if, you know, if an earthly father wouldn't give a scorpion when his kid wants a sandwich, then what will God give us? Ooh, let's really ask for things. And then it gets coupled with this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you whatever you want. So I heard about this guy. I said, I'm going to ask God for an RV. So he built this thing to put over it. He built the shelter on his property. And he was like, all right, God, you said ask and it'll be given. So I'm asking for this RV. Last I knew, that space was still empty. Right? And he was mad at God. He's like, God, you didn't keep your word. You didn't give me the desire of my heart. So this issue of prayer then just becomes like, man, what am I going to do with this? I can't make it an hour long. I feel like it just becomes dead. I'm trying to ask for things, and I think God's supposed to give me these things, and then maybe he's not giving me what I'm asking for. So like, what am I doing wrong? Is prayer not working? And we sort of go like, oh, when it comes to prayer, like, oh, I have to pray. Do you know how hard it is to get people to pray in church? It can be a challenge. So you feel like, oh, I have to do that thing. But what if, let me pose a question to you. What if prayer isn't working because we're asking for the wrong thing? Sometimes I think we ask for the wrong thing because we don't finish listening to Jesus. Listen to the rest of Luke 11 when he talks about prayer. He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, so instead of a sandwich, you know, you don't give a scorpion instead of a sandwich. He says, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What if instead of asking God for better stuff, we started asking for the Holy Spirit instead? What if instead of saying, God, this is everything my heart wants for today because that's what I need to make my life feel good or happy, and we said instead, God, give me the Holy Spirit? That's a challenge for us. What if we took just a few moments to check our motives when we go to pray? What is it we really need? What is it we really want God to do? See, James says this. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. What if we asked instead for God to give us the Holy Spirit? What if when he says continue steadfastly in prayer, we say, okay, God, you want to give the Holy Spirit. He said, you want to give that even more than evil parents want to give good things. So would you give that? What if we made that our prayer? That's a big thing. So let's connect the dots here a little bit. So we talked about the Colossians and this weird church going through all of this stuff. And then Paul says, even while you're going through all of that crazy stuff, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. And then he talks to them about prayer. So the way Paul talks about prayer to the Colossian church is this. It's the, um, the New Bible Commentary connects this word. So he says pray. He says they are to devote themselves to prayer, particularly in the cry, Maranatha, our Lord, come. That's what Paul tells the Colossians to pray. He says pray for the Lord to come. Pray for Jesus to show up with you. 
Pray for him to be there wherever you are. So he's telling the church, very similar to what Jesus teaches us about prayer, Holy Spirit, come. Our Lord, come. Jesus, come. That's our prayer. Become where? See, we've got to be clear about this. And I know this is going to sound really cheesy when you see these blanks filled in, but I want you to think about this. Where do we want Jesus to come? We want him to come here. But the problem with that is then we say, well, let's have Jesus come to church. And we think about this room and him being here. But we need to expand our view of what here is. Here is wherever you are. I know that sounds so chill and like, what did he just say? Like, that's really cheesy. But listen, wherever you go, you need the Holy Spirit there. So over and over again, wherever you find yourself in your day's journey, Holy Spirit, come here. Come where I'm at right now. It wasn't until, it wasn't until I started learning how to pray like that that things in my prayer life started to move. I still have a long way to go. But I met this guy. I met this guy at a conference named Mark Iaconelli. I totally recommend this book for you. Uh, it's very easy to read, but it was all the things that you could do prayerfully outside of a church gathering. So you tell, you tell me how to pray when I'm sitting in my office chair. Just nobody's around, and I just sit in my chair, and I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, come. Like, I just want to hang out with you right now. He taught me, taught me how I could pray when I'm on a busload of fully uh, smelly middle school kids that haven't showered all weekend, and I'm riding back, and I'm like, man, this is really smelly. The air conditioner broke. What am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to spend time with God while I drive. Like, God, you died for these smelly kids. <laughs> you know, you do the thing. Right. I could be in a foreign country walking down crowded streets, and I can say, Holy Spirit, come. So it started to shift to a relationship with God rather than this restricted in the box one hour of me just performing really well so that I could be called a real man. It shifted away from that into like, wow, I get to talk to Jesus whenever. Holy Spirit, come when I'm over here. Come when I'm out mowing the grass. It became those things. So I want to make sure that we're uh, understanding this a little bit better. So I, I brought in a quote-unquote guest speaker via video. <laughs> um, the, audio, the video quality on this is terrible, so you're not going to learn by watching, but you need to learn from this video by hearing. So this guy named Dallas Willard uh, says some very uh, important stuff. I'll make the video available tomorrow when I upload the sermon online, um, but I wanted to just give him a couple of minutes to talk to us uh, about what some of this might look like if we were to increase the way we pray. Uh, so we're going to watch this. Are we good? All right. No, my question is, I mean, I'm, I've always been really curious about this. What is your prayer life and your daily rhythms to look like? Like, what do you do on normal days and things like that? Well, there are very few normal days for anyone, especially in our world. Uh, and so you have to be careful with that question. Um, so let me just say what is a constant that I can do every day, no matter what's happening. Normally when I awake, I will work through the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm one or more times. By work through it, I mean not just rattle it off. You start out, Our Father who art in heaven. Now just stay there a while. Okay. Stay there a while. 
let that soak in. See yourself addressing your heavenly Father. Think about what he's like. It isn't my boss who art in heaven, <laughs> my eternal scrutinizer who art in heaven. No, it's my Father. So now I have put myself in a position and I can begin to work through the others. And you spend more or less time, well, same way with the 23rd Psalm. So now don't miss this, okay? This is something you can do. If you're the kind of person that wakes up when you wake up, you can do it before you get up. <laughs> if, you're, if you're not, you probably better stagger to the coffee pot first and uh, sit down and bless your coffee. <laughs> That's a good thing to do. And then work through it. Um, usually when I, when I sit up and uh, now I'm getting out of bed, I proclaim, the Lord is here. God is here. I announce that. I recognize the presence of God. What happens after that depends a lot on the day. But I want my quiet time to last all the day long. So if I'm going to have something like a period of reading scripture and specific prayer for specific issues, and some days I can do that, and that's good. Um, but some days I can't. So what am I going to do? Well, I am going to keep the Lord before me. And that involves things like taking a break occasionally through the day. Uh, usually those present themselves naturally, but I don't waste them by checking up on the news. I tend to watch news when I'm so exhausted that I can't do anything worthwhile. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, it's okay because that's a part of of our lives. Uh, but uh, you want to renew our Father who art in heaven periodically through the day. Now then, that will not work unless you have some days where you're very intensive about solitude and silence and scripture memorization and fasting. But what I encourage, I don't think you can schedule that. And I think if you try to schedule it, you're very likely going to fall into a deadened legalism. And one of the signs of a healthy uh, use of disciplines is how you feel when you don't do them. And if you feel guilt, then you need to rethink it. Guilt is not a profitable motivation for the spiritual life. If you see, well, that was a good thing and I need to be sure and take care of that, that's different. Disciplines are like medicine. The ideal condition is you don't need it. They are not righteousness, they're wisdom. That's just so good. I don't really watch videos over and over again, but I watch that thing like 10 times because it is that good. See, what if, like he said, he said, I want my quiet time to last all the day long. So you want to renew our Father who are in heaven periodically throughout the day. What if we increased our understanding of prayer and our practice of prayer to include that? 
What if when you walk into your job, the Lord is here? I don't know if you want to go in with a megaphone tomorrow morning and 9 o'clock hit everybody with that, but who knows? I don't know. But the Lord is here because the Scripture says you're the temple. Wherever you go, he goes. It's a big deal. So here is wherever you are. So when Paul says to pray, the other thing he says about prayer is this. He says, well, you're praying, you're praying, church, you're praying, Lord, come, Holy Spirit, come. He said, at the same time, pray for us. But what does he say, pray for us? He's saying, we're engaging with outsiders just like I'm asking you to do as a church. So he says, pray that, that God may open a door for the word. Pray that we would declare the mystery of Christ. Pray that because we're in prison, right? He didn't say, hey, pray we get out of here soon, call the lawyer, he said, hey, we're in here because of Jesus, so pray that we just talk it really clear. So you none of us are in prison yet. I say yet because I don't know what's going on in your life. But whatever's going on, you pray that. Lord, give me an open door today. Help me make it clear. Lord, come in this mix of stuff that I'm engaged in today. See, what if we started praying with a bigger vision like that as opposed to, God, just give me all the stuff I want today. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. So what do we pray? Here's some options for you. You can pray that prayer, Holy Spirit come or Lord come, and any or all of these things. Some of these may be good, some of them may be bad. But what if in that moment when you're with that non-believing coworker who doesn't know Jesus, before you start that conversation in your heart, you say, oh, Holy Spirit come. Give me your words right now. Help me make it clear. When you're in that moment and you can't stand your spouse, Holy Spirit, come. Hey, you may want to pray that when you're out on a date and things are going great. Like, thank you, God, for this amazing spouse. When your kids are driving you crazy, Lord, come. Help me. <laughs> When that coworker that you're thinking about inviting to church, Holy Spirit, give me courage to say something. When you're feeling really edgy, starting to lose your temper, or that person cut you off in traffic, your road rage is boiling up, Holy Spirit, come. What if every time that you went from one activity to another, so before you hit Facebook, Holy Spirit, come. Before you... Watch whatever, Holy Spirit, come. Anytime you move from one activity to another, or anytime the scenery around you changes, whether that's the boardroom, the break room, the workroom, the living room, the bedroom, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, come. Now, I say this uh, because you can train yourself to do this. You can train yourself to pray like this. So uh, this little app I use is called Echo Prayer. Uh, I set some reminders in there that things that pop up every once in a while remind me to pray. Uh, so different reminders throughout the week that I have set so that it just beeps up and says, oh, don't forget to pray about this. So I do that, and I started, I started doing that uh, in part. I, I met with a guy. He's, a, he's a, another pastor here in South Jersey. I met with him. We had lunch a while back. And during that season of his life, he was working on trying to be more aware of the presence of God throughout his day. So he set an alarm on his watch, and it went off right when we were to sit down for lunch. And he goes, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, man. He said, I, I set this alarm on my watch because at certain times throughout the day, I've been trying to pray the Lord's Prayer 
uh, to just remind me so I don't forget about God during the day. So before we eat, would you mind if we prayed that together? And I'm like, dude, you're so cool. Like, that was amazing. So, so before we ate our, our cheap Chinese food, <laughs> we said, our Father. We're like, give us the daily bread, right? <laughs> we, we had it. So you can train yourself to pray like that. And I, I think we need to become more aware of prayer throughout our day, not as a legalistic thing, not as something we have to do, like, oh, crap, i got to pray now. Like that alarm went off. Oh, i got to deal with that. But there's, the reason I say this, there's an incredible opportunity in front of us in our day, and I think it's unique to our generations that live right now. It's something we haven't seen for quite a while. So here's some statistics about America right now. Less than 18% of Americans attend church. There's 156 million unchurched people in the United States. So a lot of people read those statistics and they start freaking out. Like the church is dying. Like we're going to look like Europe pretty soon. Like everybody's panicked about it. And there's guys that research this stuff and write it. They're trying to wake the church up to something. But I want you to see that third line there. That 40, so of that 156 million, 47% of those 156 million are open to being invited to church by a friend. If my math is correct, that means there's 82.7 million people who would be open to showing up in church if we invited them. There are people that believe that you're not allowed to come unless they're invited. I've literally had people, I meet people, and they're like, I'm like, am I invited to come to your church? Yes. Yeah, you don't even need an invitation. You can just show up. What? It's true. But imagine, imagine if we became more aware of the Holy Spirit in our daily interactions. We pray, Lord, come. Help me see this from your perspective today. So, oh, hey, did you ever want to come? I got a class this week. Would you want to come hang out? When we hit Alpha again in January, excellent opportunity. We have options. Now, some people see this and they freak out. The reason I said I'm not freaking out about this is because I believe this is an incredible opportunity that God is giving us in our day. We have unchurched people in the world that have zero church baggage. We just get to talk about Jesus without having to unpack a bunch of mess of, of hurt. We get an opportunity to walk into those conversations with a clean slate. And the reason I say it's so exciting and it's an exciting time to be a believer right now is because I look back about 2,000 years ago and I realize way back then, just like today, the church is not a cultural authority. The church is not a cultural authority in the first century. It's not in our day anymore either. But those disciples, when they scattered out when the church of Jerusalem was, was scattered by persecution, when Antioch sends leaders around to plant churches, in less than 30 years' time, the gospel went from Jesus and the disciples all the way to the household of the emperor Caesar on foot, by word of mouth. You guys, we have unprecedented access to the world. We have unprecedented access to Scripture and we have 82.7 million people that are open to come into church. We have a wonderful opportunity. So I'm not saying this to you to be like, oh, I'm so bad. No. We have an opportunity. Pray it. Call out, Holy Spirit, come. Because I would love it. I would love it 
if the reputation of our church, when people look at us and they go, who are those people? People would easily answer, oh, those are Jesus people. Like, they call out for some Holy Spirit thing. Like, something's happening over there. I would love for that to be the normal answer. I think if we wake up to the prayer and say, Jesus, come, Holy Spirit, come, we do that everywhere we go, I think we're going to see change in our hearts and we're going to see change in our community. It's going to be a big thing. So I encourage you to do that. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you some space. So I don't know what your morning is like. Uh, I don't know if you came in here stressed out today or maybe you're still feeling the residual effects of uh, having to yell at your kids to get them out the door or whatever the issue are. Um, so I want to give you, I mean, maybe you're having the greatest day of your life, and that's awesome, but I want to give you some space today. So I'm going to give you some reflection time. We get to practice a little bit of what Dallas Willard said in his video. So when you think about your life, what are the areas or situations in your life where you need the Holy Spirit to come? What are they? Like, he doesn't just come in church services. He can come in your school. He can come in your classroom. He can come in your bedroom. He can come wherever you go in your daily life. So what are those things? Get clear about them. Spend some time just sitting before the Father today. Work through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, come close. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that. So just sit with this. Pray it through. And I'll give you some instructions after that. But I want to give you just some time to spend and reflect. We've got plenty of time left, so don't rush. This is not like, hey, the sermon's over. I can slip out. Just take your time today. Rest with this for a minute. stand with me. So we're going to respond in a song here in a minute, and the words are, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Obviously, that song was written to be here, meaning this room. But as you sing it in response, 
Whatever those situations are where you need the Holy Spirit, that's what you're singing about today. So Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Wherever you go, whatever that issue is, you can sing it with that word in mind. And so then I'd like us to pray this prayer together before we sing the song. So let's pray this out loud. Let's call out to our Father with these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Presence, Lord. 
So what uh, Pastor Chris laid out for us this morning is a picture of what it looks like to be part of this resurrection community. Uh, chapter 3 of Colossians starts out with, if then, you has, if then you have been raised with Christ. Right? Like, if you're alive in him, if resurrection power has, has met your dead, cold heart, if that has happened, now there's implications because of that. You get to live considering others. <laughs> Before you couldn't, you didn't have the capacity, right? You get to live considering others. You get this gift of the gospel. And so you get to participate in the joy, right, of stepping through open doorways to share the message of reconciliation. So it's not a do I have to, it's do I really get to? I've, I've, uh, I've taught four people how to ride bikes, and that's the message. This feels really scary right now. This is really intimidating right now. You're a little bit terrified, but I'm telling you, you will love it. You will love to get the, the freedom and the joy of being able to ride your bike, and like you will love it. Trust me, this is a better way to live. That's the message this morning. It might feel a little bit intimidating. You're saying I should be praying all the time? Yep. Be in communion with God all the time. Holy Spirit, be present in this. You're saying I should look for opportunities to talk about the gospel with other people? Yes. And what I'm telling you, it is a much better way to live. God's design for life is better than ours. So as a church, let's trust him. He's a good father. He's a good designer. And he knows the best way for us to live. So as we close, 
uh, I, I want to give you a chance to come up here. If I could have the prayer people come on up. If you want some time just to be uh, quiet, you can just stay in your seat. If you want some time to, uh, to pray or have some people pray with you about obstacles that keep you from living in this beautiful adventure of being prayerful, of being thoughtful, of being uh, considerate of outsiders, then come and, come and receive prayer. Other than that, I just want to bless you. Have a great day today, uh, and may God be with you as you celebrate. God bless you.
Is there a song coming up?